We intend to still keep recording, we're not geographically close to each other, and we want to keep this a space for positivity, happiness, and inspiration for how to cope with being quarantined and also just self-isolating. For the most current information on COVID-19, please consult cdc.gov as well as your state health department. Wash your hands for at least 20 seconds, and if you need inspiration for that, we encourage you to sing a pop song while you do so. The website washyourlyrics.com allows you to plug in your favorite song, and it will generate a set of lyrics to sing that equals 20 seconds of hand washing time. Practice social distancing, do video chats with your friends, read books, watch movies, and listen to podcasts. We'll still be here for you as long as we stay healthy, and right now we are, and we hope you stay healthy too. Hello, and welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm Carrie Gessner. And I'm KW Taylor. Today, we're talking about science fiction romance novels, and we're watching the pilot episode of Community. Recently, we had pop culture scholar Robin back to discuss a subject near and dear to her heart, science fiction romance novels. So, Robin, tell us all about it. Okay. Let's go back a year, and actually Kathleen and I took a course together on popular romance, and it's not that I hadn't read it before, it just like wasn't in my in my like list of go-to reading. So because of that course, we had to obviously read several examples. And I stumbled upon this series doing an Amazon search called Ice Planet Barbarians. And the cover is fantastic. I know it's not, uh, we're not a visual medium, but the cover, you know, hey, it worked. Like I judged the book by its cover. And I said, (laughs) this looks fantastically stupid because I was still a little bit judgmental. And I read it and 18 books later, I had finally caught up to where the author, whose name is Ruby Dixon, had finally started. And she is such a prolific author that she releases at least one book a month, sometimes two. Wow. Yeah, which is really prolific and I think is kind of the game you need to play if you really want to make a living as a romance author, especially with kind of the way uh, Kindle Unlimited works. But that's a whole other conversation. So just going back, so Ice Planet Barbarians is what I think is like a perfect balance of sci-fi and romance because personally I I do love sci-fi, but sometimes sci-fi novels for me can almost be too sci-fi, you know what I mean? Like a real hard sci-fi, oh, sure. which I appreciate, but like I also I need emotion and I need I need a little bit of melodrama. So that is where the romance comes in. So I I feel like a sci-fi romance blend just like really scratches that itch for me. So um, specifically this series. And so should I just sort of give like the basic plot? Yeah, give a little like what's what's the first book kind of about? The first book is that this one woman wakes up on a spaceship and she has been abducted by aliens and she notices there are other women in this sort of holding cell room And they've been abducted by this race of aliens to be sold on the slave market, like the intergalactic slave market, which is, this is a very common trope in other romances. It's sort of like how they get the women into outer space, right? Because you need to like situate them there somehow without going through kind of like the step-by-step. So in 
attempts to like thwart the aliens they crash land on an ice planet and the aliens that abducted them are killed so they're on this crash ship on an ice planet and they just it looks like it's uninhabited it's just snow for miles so this one woman who uh, her name is georgie she is like well i'm gonna go out i gotta save i gotta save everybody so i gotta go out there and see what's out there if i can find other people or whatnot and she goes and she gets caught in the net like a hunting net of one of the barbarians and true to sci-fi romance form. The barbarians are alien, but they are very like human because you sort of like, if you're going to make a romance, you know what I mean? Like it has to be a humanoid creature. It doesn't have to be, but it just kind of like just makes things easier, you know, (laughs) as you're easing into it. And they're seven feet tall. They have blue skin. They have sort of plates like armored plates, under their skin in certain areas and horns and a tail. And he kind of takes her in and they sort of have this like, he can't, you know, he can't speak English. They have to like figure it out. And eventually they get together. And so finally she brings him back to the ship. Oh, and meanwhile, see, this is what I love about sci-fi that there's certain things that happen that seem like unrealistic, but really help the plot. Like there's also an ancestor's cave on this planet, which is really a ship that crashed hundreds of years ago. So it's like on the side of a mountain, but conveniently the computer that does translation is still working. Cool. Like you basically say what language you want to know, and then it beams a laser into your brain and you understand the language. So that is like very useful. So finally they can speak the same language in like an instant. We don't have to go through like the learning language. So they come back and, I forgot the first one's name. He's got like a barbarian name, but there's so many of them. And he says, well, you can live on this planet, except my tribe is all men and we're looking for women. So if your women are willing to mate with our men, we can like take you in. And that sounds, that sounds a little bit suspect. (laughs) I mean, wouldn't you say like when I first read it, I was like, I don't know. And So what they decide is, like, they realize, like, they're not going to get home. You know, they're never going to get home. This is the only way to survive. So the women, like, are like, okay, we'll come live with you. And they're not, like, going to be like, you have to mate. But they're like, please be open to the possibility. And they're like, okay, sure. (laughs) And in order to survive on this planet, they have to get a parasite and put into their heart because the parasite will help them live in the cold climate. Here's the other thing. Oh, my gosh. The parasite will pick your mate for you. So it will start like vibrating or like resonating with the person you're supposed to mate with. And some of the women, they resonated right away. And then some of the other, like there's complications later, like they don't resonate right away. So also it could be like determined as a little bit suspect, but everything is consensual. I mean, the way it's written, like you can create a world in which it's consensual. So that idea of mates is a pretty common trope in romance too. Oh yeah. Like Dustin mate. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it sounds like I'm explaining it and I'm, and I'm, and I'm listening to myself. I'm like, this sounds like a B movie or whatever, but she's, <laughs> she's a very good writer. And as much as these sci-fi elements come about, like it's very realistic. She does a lot of world building about like the weird, like she builds the world about the animals that they hunt, like the ways in which, these creatures have adapted to the cold and eventually the women who move into the tribe, like start introducing technologies or ways of living combined with the old technologies. Cause they're very like quote unquote primitive, right? Like they live on 
cave in an ice planet. So they start introducing like, oh, I'm going to cook and I'm going to create a skillet. So there's all these like combined technologies that happen, which I really like. And I think she does a good job of, first of all, like diversity in the women, like there's body diversity, racial diversity, class diversity. And some of the women, like one of them has like really bad PTSD. One of them has like extreme anxiety. One of them is deaf. And like that kind of like really impedes them adjusting. So I also like that because not everything is like a plucky heroine that steps up. Some of them are like super scared or resonate to somebody and they're like terrified. Spoiler alert. (laughs) They always get together. (laughs) You know what I mean? Eventually, like eventually where it's like consensual and they gain the trust and it went for a while. And it's also interesting how we went through every book, like is the point of view of a different woman. It's like, Oh, how do you get other women to this planet? Oh, look, another slave ship just crashed. (laughs) So now we have more people. So it's just kind of funny in that way, like how things happen. You're like, Oh, that's convenient. But I don't know. I just, I think it's really good. I think, I think the romance is really sweet because like these aliens are like very innocent. They don't have like modern technology. It's a little bit like, oh, I have this inner feeling the need to like protect my woman is like an instinct. So there's a little bit of that. But you know what? I'm not mad. (laughs) You know, that's the point of romance, right? Like what we want in real life doesn't always match up like what sort of like romance we're looking for. Yeah, and I want to ask, because I read the first book of one of her other series, the Fireblood Dragon series. Oh, yeah, those are good, series? too. Yeah, she writes a wow. lot. She writes She's a got, lot. like, 24 books in this one alone. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So in her Fireblood Dragon series, I read the first book, which is called Fire in His Blood, and I didn't keep reading because, again, she's very prolific. There's so many. Yeah. And I was intrigued by the idea of dragon romance. But another thing that I liked about it was it's essentially dystopian sci-fi, but it's also really, really funny. And the protagonist is really plucky in ways that are relatable. And she's just like, she's just super funny, witty, sarcastic, et cetera. Is there that same kind of tone in any of the Ice Planet Barbarian books? Some of them are like she gives like each volume is like the point of view of a different woman. And she, some of them are like that, like some of the... The one that I really liked is this about this woman, Hannah, who's really bossy. So everybody hates her. And I was like, I relate. (laughs) And like, she really struggles with that. She's like, I'm trying to be a team player, but like my bossiness is because I'm anxious. And like, I just had to leave my family. Some of the, the, I'll call them girls now. They're like 22 are like really shy or like, you know, some of them are virgins, some are not. So there's some of that. So I think it just depends on like what character you like. I mean, some of the characters were a little bit blah to me, but she does a good job of creating different personalities for them. And I do want to add that at some point she stopped the Ice Planet Barbarian series and sort of made it a new series because a new sort of tribe was discovered so now they, the tribes kind of like combined. Long story short, they realize that there's um, a jungle island in the middle of the ocean that's like a heat climate where there's other people, other of these aliens living kind of in isolation, but they're brought over because of their volcano. Again, like there's some real just like, wow, that escalated quickly moments. But like she really handles them pretty realistic, like even with sort of the very convenient technology that happens. 
And she addresses things like sometimes they're like, I feel really dirty. I haven't had a shower. I can't deal with it. You know what I mean? Like, how do I go to the bathroom? Because that's always my first question in any like sci-fi dystopian thing. I'm like, <laughs> what is the bathroom situation? I need to know. Because that's the first thing I would think of. Well, yeah. And I think that I think a lot of sci-fi actually when you're doing dystopian sci-fi that's not a romance, they actually get into the nitty-gritty of technology and how you deal with being a human in that environment. And so why would it be any different in romance when... Yeah, and I think she does that, but she doesn't get too into it. Like, there's a nice balance. That's good. That's good. Yeah, so I just... I mean, they bring me joy. They're very... she She writes sex scenes very well and very realistic sometimes because, like sometimes it's awkward and also they're like uh how do i as a woman get intimate with this like seven foot creature you know (laughs) so i mean i appreciate that too and what are a couple of other authors of sci-fi romance that you also like anybody else you know what this is the one series that i've stuck to because i've tried other series and this is going to sound but like they're almost too formulaic oh you know, I mean, and that's that's what genre fiction is. And, like, so that is not something that I can really, like, fault it for. But as you know, like, the best genres, like, they stick to the tropes. But, like, there's a little bit of a change. And I think Ruby Dixon keeps her books similar but also is able to give it, like, a little bit of a twist at some point. So there's, um, well, you put me on the spot. There's um, Dark Star Warrior, Warriors is another series I read. There's a similar one called Alien Cavemen, where uh, women crash on a dinosaur planet. Those are not as good, but they're in like the same genre. And it's always like, the guy is like, kind of like quiet, but brave. And the woman like is able to teach him something about survival. You know what I mean? But there's also a lot of detail about like the like, I like when they get into the, like, the flora and fauna of the planet, because I think she really gives thought to that a lot. Cool. Well, those sound really good. Yeah, I recommend it. She just wrote this very long fantasy novel called Bound to the Battle God, which is really good. And I, so the thing is, I don't even like fantasy, but this book, she, again, she has the elements of fantasy, but doesn't go too much in that direction. And she's writing a sequel to that. I don't know how she writes so much, because this isn't even her full-time writing position i think she's a ghost writer oh. for another company her her identity is a secret oh. because for some i mean she just that's her prerogative but like i yeah the the amount that she writes is envious yeah. <laughs> and amazing so she's making a lot of money and she deserves it so we could all quit our day jobs if we got into something like that awesome i don't know how i mean my god <laughs> i can't even write like i had to write like two research questions for a class discussion and it i like passed out (laughs) (laughs) well you might also like our grad school mentor Heidi Rupin Miller writes sci-fi romance yes and I think it's a little have you read them no but but Kathleen has told me about them many times and I always say it's on my list yes and then never read it yeah cool well thank you oh I'm I'm glad I got to talk about it because like not a lot of people I know read it yeah so it's just nice to talk out loud about it (laughs) I just put like four of them on my goodreads oh yeah yeah and again, like they're short, so that I appreciate that. I don't have a lot of time. <laughs> Thank you again for appearing. And can you sure. can you remind our listeners where to find you on Twitter? Sure. Um, my Twitter is at Robin H H H H H. That's five H's. 
And that's really my Instagram. You can follow me. It's private. Um, and it's the same handle. I mean, it's just private, not because it's like super exclusive. I just keep it private, but I usually accept requests. Awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, no problem. So thanks again to Robin for joining us. It's always so much fun to have her on. That was great. Thanks, Robin. And to totally change subjects, we both recently watched the pilot episode of the sitcom Community. K-Dubs, why don't you tell us a little bit about the show? Okay, so Community was on NBC. And then later, they also changed networks to being on Yahoo, which was kind of strange. But um, their early, their main run on NBC was from 2009 to 2014. And then they were on Yahoo for one more season up through 2015. So this pilot was in September of 2009. Basically, it's just set at a community college called Greendale Community College. And it follows characters who, in the pilot, they form a study group for their Spanish class. And the main character is named Jeff. And he's a lawyer who uh, we find out through a conversation that he uh, is on the cusp of getting disbarred or something because he lied about his undergraduate career. Mm -hmm. So he's back to get an actual degree. Okay, so this is where I had trouble with, with, with the show. Because the premise is that they get together the study group but he starts it because he just wants to get close to this woman named Britta so she shows up and she's the only one there and then he's like great and then she tells her friend Abed about it who come and he comes and then he invites like three four other people I mean the whole premise is that he wants to date this girl and I just found that kind of gross I really did not enjoy the main character yeah (laughs) Just, I'll just start from there. <laughs> yeah, he's played by comedian Joel McHale. And I think that I don't know that you're necessarily supposed to like Jeff. He's mm-hmm. he's yeah, he's very typical kind of alpha male and trying to scam everybody. And he uses his lawyer skills to kind of argue things that he doesn't even necessarily agree with himself. But I mean, to kind of go into the other characters, Britta, played by Gillian Jacobs, is she's kind of a slightly non-traditional student. She's in her like late 20s, having dropped out of high school and college and and become an activist and kind of a quasi hippie character. Which I'm going to stop you there for a second. Yeah. Because there was an inaccuracy. Oh. <laughs> because she says she's back in community college because she dropped out of high school and she joined the Peace Corps and that you actually can't join the Peace Corps without a college degree. And I know that because I was in it. So <laughs> good. I'm well, and, you know, actually, myself having worked and been in certain academic situations, there's a lot about this show that I when I watched this when it was originally on, I would be like, that would never be allowed based on the Yeah, so yeah, and I'm not actually upset about that. I just <laughs> I just thought I'd point it out. <laughs> no, but that's important. I mean, if anybody watches this and is like, Britta can drop out of high school and go join the Peace Corps. So I can I? well, no, you can't. So there you go. <laughs> and uh, Abed is played by Danny Pudi. And he's a film major. And he's got an encyclopedic knowledge of movies and TV and is often quoting them. Yeah, so he's he's a little bit in his own world at times. I enjoyed him a lot. I like him. He's he's often seen as a little bit of the show's kind of heart and he's kind of the voice of the viewer or the voice of the audience at times, even though he's also a little bit 
lacking in emotion. But I think he likes to relate to people through entertainment media, which I can relate to kind of. So that was, I, I really like his character. And then you have Shirley, who's played by Yvette Nicole Brown, and she's a slightly older student. She's a mom, and she's a little bit hot-tempered and kind of, she does not like Pierce, who is played by veteran character actor and comedian Chevy Chase. Um, And he is the kind of quintessential, much, much, much older student, like in his 60s, taking classes just to kind of keep connected to the outside world after retirement, basically. And he kind of harasses Shirley a little bit. And it's, it's pretty gross. So yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to talk about that. Yeah, later. (laughs) (laughs) We also have Annie, who's played by Alison Brie. And she's fresh out of high school. And she's a very, very high achieving student. She's kind of anxious. And she apparently had an Adderall addiction. And she's kind of seen as also the sort of model student. I kind of related to her a little bit too much, not just from the striving (laughs) academically part, not from being a little bit troubled. And Alison Brie is brilliant. She was actually on this show playing this character while she was also on Mad Men playing like a young wife. So it's like in the 60s. So it's very different. And she's now on Glow on Netflix and is brilliant on there. So I really like her. And then we also have Troy played by Donald Glover. People may know Donald Glover from his other successful endeavors, including his side career as a rapper called Childish Gambino. And he actually ended up leaving Community after season five because his music career was taking off. So, um, and he's a, he went to high school with Annie and is kind of a former jock. And he apparently is going to community college instead of being on a sports scholarship because he uh, dislocated both shoulders. So he's no longer able to play football anymore. Searching for his identity. <laughs> so what did you think of the characters other than Jeff? Well, you hated Jeff. Well, first I want to ask you, you've seen the whole show, is yeah. that right? Mm-hmm. So you've seen all the episodes. Yes. Okay, so I this is the first time I've watched an episode. Okay. So you have a better grasp on the characters and who they will become. Yes. But really really did not like Jeff. And besides Pierce, I I pretty much liked everyone else. I mean, I know it's a pilot and it's a sitcom pilot, so it's only like 22 minutes or something. Yeah. So there's not a ton of time to get character development in there. But I could kind of see myself, you know, not becoming attached to them, but sort of enjoying the show. I think Abed's my favorite just because, yeah, he relates to people through movie quotes and I sometimes do that too. (laughs) But I like Shirley a lot and... I'm sure I'll like Britta and Annie. Yeah. I mean, I just disliked Jeff because he's creepy and Pierce is also kind of creepy. But I feel like the rest of them, I could get behind eventually. Yeah. Something I I noticed, I mean, there's not much plot. It's really just them developing this Spanish study group. And there's a guest character who ends up kind of a recurring character who is Jeff's friend, who is a psychology professor at the college, played by John Oliver. And I think he doesn't really stay a regular character because he was doing The Daily Show and then he also ended up getting his own HBO show and it just got to be too much. But he does pop back up occasionally. And I think they also decided not to focus on him as much because they bring in Ken Jeong playing Ben Chang, who is their Spanish teacher. And so I think they wanted to keep the the characters who are on the faculty a little bit less regular in the beginning, and that they do end up with Professor Chang, who is the main representative of the faculty. And I think they also might have thought that the Dr. Duncan character was a little too normal. And Professor Chang 
as if you keep watching it, you'll see that he is not super normal. So it's a little funnier. So I think that works better. Okay. They also end up expanding the role of the Dean. They do show the Dean, um, Dean Pelton at the beginning, and he's played by Jim Rash, Academy Award winner Jim Rash, who is also a screenwriter, and he won an Oscar for screenwriting. But anyway. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, he becomes a little bit more of a regular character later, and he's pretty funny too. But something I noticed watching the pilot and having seen the whole show is that this was very, it felt very normal and kind of standard. And the show ends up becoming very meta. It sort of ends up like a sitcom about sitcoms. And Abed and Troy end up getting to be closer friends. And they are really, really funny together. And the characters also, all of them, all of them except for Pierce, (laughs) become a lot more likable as the show goes on, as as you learn more about them. And as I think the writers figure out the actors a little bit more, and they sort of end up writing them to the actors' strengths to the show's great benefit. So I think you would find as you watch along that Jeff gets a little bit less obnoxious. Britta gets a little bit less kind of perfect cool girl, and she becomes a little more real. Abed kind of doesn't really change. He kind of is who he is early on. (laughs) And Shirley becomes a little less of a stereotype too. And Annie becomes, Annie almost becomes a little bit more pulled together so that she's less of sort of an anxious mess. And Troy, Troy also becomes less of a jock and a little bit more studious. So, but Pierce kind of stays a creepy old man and he's terrible. Yeah. So, It is very much a show of people trying to get along with each other who are very different and forming this sense of a community. But it also is a little bit of a commentary on uh, sitcoms generally, because they keep referencing it being like The Breakfast Club, and it comes off that way. But it also is very much a standard sitcom about ensemble comedies, and they make a lot of comments about that. So, yeah. I'm a little disappointed to hear that Pierce doesn't really grow as a character, especially because there's a discussion in the pilot where he he's making inappropriate advances towards Shirley, and they have to all have a discussion about sexual harassment. And it, I mean, I kind of understand the purpose, but it also felt a little bit, a little bit out of touch in today's society, even though this was only, what, 2009? Mm-hmm. But I think a lot has happened since then. Yes. I mean, it just felt flippant to me a little bit. Yeah. So that's disappointing to hear that he never really grows as a character. Well, and he doesn't stay on the show. He is not in the last okay. season at all. He is only a regular character for seasons one through four. So he's only a guest in season five, and he's not in season six at all. So if that is any help. I think, though, too, you kind of sometimes need... And I agree. I agree completely. I was very, like surprised to see how blatant that was. I think that you sometimes in an ensemble sitcom need a character who is not likable to be a little bit of a different voice, not a villain, but quasi villain because in a sitcom, I don't know that there's always room for an actual villain. Do you know what I mean? Sure, but I mean I thought we already filled that position with Jeff. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing is I think they decided that was not necessarily the best way to go with his character and he is made a little bit more likable as time goes on. He shows growth and I think he's supposed to be the redemption arc. Not anti like he's the protagonist, but he's undergoing a redemption arc 
So mm-hmm. it's kind of like on Shit's Creek that all the characters are sort of trying to be on a redemption arc, and some of them are at various stages of that over the course of the seasons. And Jeff is sort of at the beginning of that. So I mean, I could kind of see that, but the roses in Shit's Creek, they're rich and they're out of touch because they spent their whole lives rich, but I don't think they're jerks in the way that Jeff is. I agree. So for me, the Rose's redemption arcs were a little easier to take because, yes. um, yeah, they didn't start out as jerks. <laughs> that's, yes. No, that's true. But I think, yeah, I think Jeff is on a similar journey, but he has a little farther to go with it. Yeah. But I feel like by the end of the series, he is in a much softer, kinder place and has some good friendships with all the characters, again, except for Pierce. Pierce is a little bit more like, I know you didn't necessarily keep watching Cheers, but there's a character on Cheers named Cliff, and I don't know that he's in the pilot very much, but he is definitely filling the same purpose as Pierce being sort of an out-of-touch, slightly creepy guy. He's a know-it-all, and he's not very well-liked by a lot of the other characters, but he's considered part of the group still. So... Yeah, it's a very strange sort of tropey character, but it's sort of the grumpy curmudgeon know-it-all guy who thinks he's better than he is. And it's it's a little bit of a buffoonish character. We're supposed to kind of maybe laugh at them, but we're also supposed to be grossed out by them. And again, since a sitcom doesn't necessarily have a villain, you have to have somebody to be disagreeing with someone to have a plot. So Right. But it is telling that he doesn't stay. All right. But I mean, sort of hearing me say that it does get better and it gets more meta, there's a whole episode where they play Dungeons and Dragons, for example. And <gasps> cool. There's multiple animated episodes. There's an episode that takes place in an alternate universe. There's it just gets very silly in good ways. And yeah. So hearing that, could you get past Jeff and Pierce to get to that <laughs> or not? <laughs> Yeah, probably. I mean, the issue with me with everything is just I don't necessarily want to add a 100 episode show onto my plate. Oh, sure. You know, yeah. But I mean, I'll definitely check out more since it's on Hulu. Um, So I'll check out some more in the next couple weeks and see if I want to continue. Okay. Yeah. I do want to say that my favorite moment was towards the end of the episode, Jeff has kind of given up on everything and the rest of the members of the study group come outside and Jeff realizes that, oh, he's actually going to fail the Spanish test. And the boys are kind of sitting on the steps and the women are standing behind them. And they have this, all the women have this like, not whispered, but they have this conversation where they're mouthing words to each other, just like gesturing. (laughs) And it's played for laughs because then Abed sees them and is like, I don't, what, did I go deaf? Can I hear you guys? Can you hear me? <laughs> so like it is played for laughs, but I just thought that was like a super relatable thing because I think, yeah, women do have this, we tend to like talk to each other and we're like, um, okay, this, the men can't hear this, but like, <laughs> yes. I just thought that was funny. That was very cute. And I do, I do think that over time, all three of the women on the show have believable friendships with each other and that. That is a really sweet part of it. And also Troy and Abed developing their close friendship is also very sweet. And so I think that through this patina of slight creepiness on occasion, but the creepiness is coming from these, the slightly older men, right? So Jeff is not supposed to be super old, but I think he was in his probably mid to late 30s. And Pierce is like in his 60s or so, or even older. But the the young men and 
the women are the ones who are kind of above reproach mostly. And that's pretty telling. So indeed. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else you would like to say on, on that subject? I think it's interesting. I, like I said, I've watched this show all the way through before. I did not get super, super into it until maybe season two. And I think that is true of a lot of these NBC shows of the 2000s that get a cult following like The Office and Parks and Rec is that their first season is real, real shaky. And Mm -hmm. I've tried before to do a rewatch of this and was like, ugh, I forgot how kind of not as good season one is. And so (laughs) I might even either skip season one again or just know it's going to get better. It's fine. Um, because it does really pay off later. So I don't know. I'm I'm about to finish a rewatch of The Office, so I might replace it with Community. Because I like to have okay. one sitcom rewatch in my TV viewing rotation as like a <laughs> filler or something. You know, like it's late at night and I just want to watch one thing and keep it short. So it might be that show. But I understand, though. And it's obviously, since we're having a podcast that is largely, not totally, but largely about television, we watch too much TV. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We do. I have a hard time keeping up with you. And I feel like I watch a lot of TV. Well, and I mean, I think part of my thing of watching a lot of TV is just working from home right now that I have a little bit more time to watch some things like in the middle of the day at weird times. But sure. And, there, and there's nothing wrong with watching a lot oh, of TV. No, I've kind of always watched a lot of TV. But I just like consuming fiction. I have to have a book going, multiple books going multiple TV shows going. I like to go to the movies. It's just a lot. So yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. I'm going to the movies later today. Hooray. Have fun. (laughs) Thank you. Well, so next time we're going to talk about some different kinds of, well, we are still going to talk about some TV, but next time we're going to talk about (laughs) the novel Dread Nation by Justina Ireland, uh, the video game Skyrim and the Netflix series Virgin River. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at KWTaylorWriter. And you can find me on Twitter at Carrie Gessner. And you can find us together on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast. If you'd rather email us, you can do that at positivelypopculture at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. <laughs> <laughs>